Hey everyone, and welcome to the third episode of The Daily Grind. Today we have a special guest. This particular individual is a very established entrepreneur, owns multiple successful businesses, and has been featured in many different publications. Ryan Morris, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Yeah, I guess just to give kind of a Ryan Morris 101 for you guys, um, you know, I grew up in a very small town in Virginia, um, actually the same town as Justin, although we didn't even know each other until I had already left after I got out of college. Uh, grew up there, you know, more cows than people. It's kind of That's the vibe of Lockyer County, Virginia. Justin can attest to that. Very true. Um, we actually went to the same high school. We were not in the same class, I believe. You graduated when? 2010? 2008. 2008. Okay, so you graduated high school right when I was actually coming into high school at the same high school. That's pretty funny. Um in Bealton, Virginia, uh, went on to play some football at a Central Connecticut State University. It's pretty short-lived. Um, got injured about a week before our first game down at James Madison University, actually. And um, yeah, for that entire year, I kind of just figured out that school was really not for me. And it kind of, I guess, made me feel like a failure at that point, just because when we're growing up, especially in a smaller town like Falkier County, Virginia, you're really taught one path. You're really taught you got to go to school, got to get good grades, got to go to college, get better grades, fill out a resume, go get a job. And at that point, that was the only path that I really knew, but it wasn't leading to something that I really wanted. And so I just didn't really feel motivated to actually push forward and make a move on that path. I mean, I went to school, I think, like three times my first semester. The running joke is I had a I, so I <laughs> I tell the papers and the press and everything, I got a 2.0 AGPA my first semester, but I really had a 1.56 and ended up bribing my professors into giving me a 2.08 so I wouldn't go on academic probation and be suspended from the football team. Um, and then so I'd be transfer eligible the whole nine. Anyway, so, yeah, I, I kind of figured out at that point, you know, school is really just not for me. And I was told that it was because I was lazy. It was because, you know, I uh, I didn't apply myself. And that might have been true to a certain extent. But the reason why I was lazy about school and didn't apply myself is because I literally could not stand doing it and I didn't see any result from it. So um, ended up dropping out after my first year and my mother, God bless her heart, having three college degrees and being a school teacher, you know, good luck going home from your first year of college telling your mom that you're not going back. Um, That was a fun conversation to have. So I got introduced to network marketing at that point. To which my mother, again, God bless her, <laughs> printed out uh, about 25 to 30 pages of why network marketing and what I was doing in particular was a scam. Um, and it just, uh, yeah, <laughs> at that well. point, but, well, it's just not even that it didn't set well. I mean, obviously, you know, I was crushed and everything um, at that point. But, you know, I, I just I was put at a crossroads. I, I was put at a place, I was put into a position where I had to choose basically, you know, either I'm going to um, really apply myself and continue on the path of entrepreneurship and into network marketing and really take it seriously and prove her wrong, prove me right. It's not even really about proving her wrong, but it was more so about proving myself right. Or I'm going to put my tail between my legs, go back to school and, you know, do what everybody else around me wanted me to do. And so at that point, I just kind of made the decision, all right, like if I'm really going to do this, I'm really going to do this. And I got surrounded by uh, some really good people in my life that led me along the way and that, you know, 
Some of them led me right. Some of them led me wrong. But at the end of the day, I was being led in the direction that I wanted to go. And that's where I felt good about my decision. And I guess that really leads into our topic of today, which is really all about mentorship. So that is your Ryan Morris 101 for you, your history lesson. I think it's I think it's funny. Um, I mean, look at you now. You said, you know, you were either, you know, you were either going to run back to school with your tail tucked between your legs and feeling crushed. But now you're you're crushing it like you just you have all these different things going on right now. I mean, you have the vacation rental things going. You have iFortune's marketing. You have your network marketing. You have all this different stuff going on. And yet, you know, just like me, well, a little bit different than me, but you actually went to college. I didn't. We both had not so great GPAs and we were both raised in the same town. And, you know, like I was on on the last episode, I was telling Jeff, you know, I graduated high school second to last. Like, I don't even know what my GPA was, but <laughs> yeah, it was, it was horrible. And I think I graduated with like 450 people or something. And I was just the kid that everybody said was not going to go anywhere. And, you know, my mentor was my grandfather got out. Like I said, you know, I, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Um, he was my he was my mentor for forever without me actually even knowing, you know, straight out of high school, like what a mentor was or the purpose of one, you know, what they're supposed to do for you. Um, without knowing any of that, he just kind of, you know, put me to work, showed me how he did things, how he grew his business. And now looking back over the past couple of years, I can see how he was my mentor. Um, mm-hmm. So the, you know, for you, when did you first know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? When was it like, Hey, I'm, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to do my own thing. Um, you know, how, when, when did that click? When did that happen? Oh man, I knew I didn't want to work for somebody else when I was like five years old, bro. <laughs> my mom uh, told me to do this and I would purposely not do them just because I didn't want to be told what to do. Yeah. Same so I think I knew I, I think I knew really early on that I didn't really want to do um something to where I was being constantly told what to do and how to do it. Um, you know, but I think I really decided that's such a good question, bro. I really don't know when I decided well if I if I had to really think back on it. Um, I, I don't think it was any one particular event. I think it was a series of events that led me to making that decision. First of which, obviously, not being, <laughs> not wanting to be told what to do, um, always deciding or you know trying to figure out the easiest way possible to get something done with the least amount of work. Some people call you know people like that lazy, but those people end up being Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and you know everybody else. They look for the shortcut, not because they're lazy, but because they're searching for efficiency. And that was really the mindset that you know, I believe that I had, even though everybody else was just telling me that I was lazy um, about that stuff. And, uh, you know, it was that. And then, you know, my uncle, I don't, I don't really talk about him that much, but I have an uncle who lives up in Northern Virginia. He's uh, He owns a pretty big law practice right now. It's growing very quickly. He started it about two years ago. They do immigration law. And obviously, Northern Virginia is very big with uh, immigration coming in, especially with everything you know, going on geopolitically right now. Yeah, that's a hot, that's a hot subject. Right yeah, it's, it's a very, yeah, he was smart for that. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> he move on is, uh, yeah <laughs> definitely a good move. But uh, yeah, he's very passionate about what he does. But he actually was a JAG officer for the military, for the Air Force back in the 80s, served with Lindsey Graham. They're pretty good friends. Um, Lindsey's a senator of South Carolina and very big in the GOP right now. Um, which is ironic because my uncle and Lindsay are like complete polar opposites politically. You know, it's pretty funny. It's pretty interesting having conversations with them about Lindsay. But really, you know, when I was younger, 
um, we would go to his house. And at the time, you know, he, he had a very, very successful entrepreneurial career. I mean, he ran a multi-billion dollar company. Um, he was, you know, not in business with, but a direct competitor of Carlos Slim, who was at the time the richest person in the world. Um, I believe he held that spot for like four years in a row or something like that. Um, very, very big telecommunications executive. He was the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. And uh, he lived an amazing life, dude. He was telling me this story actually about how he built his house. And he would fly back and forth from Monterey, Mexico, and Mexico City, where he was working. Um, he'd come home on the weekends or something like that. He'd either come home during the week or come home on the weekends or maybe a combination of both. But when he was on the plane, he would be writing out the blueprint to the house that he wanted to build up in Northern Virginia. And he was so elaborate about it. And I just, I think I really, you know, fell in love with the idea of being able to create something. I remember I asked him for the blueprint of his house when I was in like seventh grade. And I just like, I fell in love with the idea of being able to create something for yourself inside of your head, like imagine something and actually be able to execute it in your life and to have something be that lavish. And it's not necessarily like the lavishness of it, but it's really just the fact that he wanted something and he got it. And so I saw him doing that and I was raised not necessarily by my parents, but like just by society in general to believe that that kind of a lifestyle is really not possible for the average person. In that you either have to be really, really lucky or really, 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 really educated and really, 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 really fortunate to make a connection to get a job and work for somebody else and be paid that kind of money. Um, and so when I saw him living that kind of a lifestyle, at that point in my mind, it clicked in my head that I wanted to be able to create a lifestyle that I definitely, you know, wanted to create and live for myself. Um, and not necessarily the, parent, the lifestyle that my parents were living. And it's not that there's anything wrong with how they were living. It's just not how I personally wanted to live. Um, and so I saw that and then, you know, I got into college and then I figured out, okay, like school is really just not for me. And it's not that I'm wrong for that. It's that it's just not the right fit. You can't put a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. School, school so, for me was just, it was boring. Yeah, uh, man. It was the social boring. aspect. Dude, I'll tell you what, though, when I had a class that I was passionate about, I'd get an A plus in it. I'd get 100 on every paper. I'd actually put the time in and do it. And so at that point, I knew that it wasn't that I wasn't applying myself. It wasn't that I was lazy. It wasn't that I was in incapable of being extremely productive and extremely focused. It's that I'm, ex I'm not capable of being extremely productive and extremely focused on things that I'm either not interested in or not good at which actually translates directly into my business career to where now I've realized that and I don't try to do things that, you know, I'm either not meant to do or not excited to do. I outsource those things. So it ended up being a really good business lesson for me and, you know, just having that self-awareness to know that ahead of time. Um, but then I get to college and I remember, you know, the last day of school um, or the second to last day of school, I ended up going to, um, I was walking to lunch actually. And I overheard some people talking about a business opportunity. There are people on the football team. They're being super secretive about it, like really secretive. And I was like, dude, like, what the hell? What are you guys doing? And so I got invited over to the quarterback of uh, our football team's place at the time. who We're actually like pretty decent friends to, uh, to this day. He was a senior, I believe, at the time. And I was a freshman. So I was a freshman backup kicker. And he was like the senior starting quarterback. So it's really interesting that we ended up like transpiring into being pretty decent friends. And he's actually got pretty successful business ventures he's doing as well. And so got invited to his apartment and I sit down on a couch with like four other people and they play a DVD. And I'll never forget this DVD. And it's so funny that it was this DVD of all things fast forwarding into today because it was a tape or a, a you know, video of Donald Trump 
pointing at a screen saying, you should do this and get rich. And I was like, I'm game. I don't know what this <laughs> is, but let's do it. Because yeah. <laughs> at the time, Donald Trump was very respected as a business person and very well known, obviously, with the Celebrity Apprentice and everything else he had going on. I mean, this was back in like 2014. Yeah, it was 2014. It was, uh, it was May 29th. 2014 when i got introduced all the way down to the concept. day yeah man and i remember they're like okay it's 500 to start up and i was like well i don't have 500 and then the guy was like all right well go to paypal.com apply for a loan and see if they give it to you and i did it and i got approved and they were like wait you actually got approved and so i paid using paypal um on that loan and then i get home like three days later and i'm telling my mom i'm like mom we're gonna have an event she's like what i was like yeah we're going to have a, a PBR, private business reception <laughs> at the house. We're going to have like 100 people over. Is that okay? And keep in mind, like my parents were like super cool growing up, but like not super cool to where we're going to pack 100 people into a house with like five pets. Cool. Right. You know what I'm saying? So my mom was like, hell no, it's not happening. So I remember calling up the guy. I was like, crap, man. Like, you know, I, I, I can't do it at my house. And he was like, you got to do it. To your, you got to do it at your house. It's got to happen. Right. And so I was like, oh, shit, I don't know what to do. And so um, I, I called him back and I was like, all right, dude, like, what if I rent out like a pavilion at this place? We'll have it outdoors. We'll have a screen, everything. He's like, nah, man, it's got to be at your house. I was like, oh, OK. And so I go to my mom and I'm like, mom, you said we can't have everybody inside. We're having them outside. And so I, I was like, all right, we're going to have an event in the front yard. We're going to bring 100 people over, and I'm going to buy a projector and put it up in the front yard. I didn't even know where I was going to get the money to buy a projector. I was a broke college student at the time, no job for like over a year and a half. Yeah, but at this point, you're, you're, you're a broke college student. Yeah, I didn't. $500 in debt, and you have an immense – Bro, pressure. I'm $500 in PayPal debt. Uh, like, like, I didn't even care. I was like, bro, I don't, I don't care where this money's coming from. I don't care where the projector's coming from. I'll have somebody bring one. I'll, I'll snap my fingers and pop up in the front yard. And uh, I, I was like, my mom was so fascinated. She was like, wait a minute, what the hell is he actually doing? Why does he want a hundred people to come over? And so I sent her the website and everything. I wake up the next morning, there's 25 sheets of paper sitting on my desk on why it's a scam. And I am just absolutely heartbroken. I'm like, oh man, I got all excited for nothing over something that's not even real. Like, I feel so bad. I, dude, I already had like 10 people that were going to sign up. They didn't even know what the hell it was. I was like, yeah, man, it's 500 bucks. Just bring it here. We're going to get rich. They're like, okay. <laughs> like, let's like that Let's it. just get rich together. So this ended up working out though. This ended up working out. So um, she did that. And I was like, crap, man. And so I started dodging my friend's calls because I was just like embarrassed. And then I go on Twitter one day. And this is, and then like, I had to apply to get the, the refund and everything. I didn't even think I was going to get the money back. I was like, oh man, I got to work all summer and serve and crap and pay back this $500, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so it, it was just really funny because I, I scroll on Twitter like three days later and I see like three different high school friends of mine. And they've got like these stacks of orange cans in like their garage and their living room. And they're like, we're getting rich and saying all this stuff, like the network marketing lingo. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, what are these clowns doing? And so I called up my friend Rodman. Rodman's to this day, one of my really, really, really close friends. And I call him up and I'm like, bro, what are you guys doing? He's like, bro, we're getting rich. It's $500, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, mom, I don't care what you, at first I was like, all right, bro, like, Come on, man. I've already heard this before. And he's like, bro, just come over. We're at a mansion at a lawyer's house. 
you can't tell me it's illegal. I was like, I'm there. I'm there. there. That's it. I'm there. Yeah. And then I was like, sorry, mom, don't care. I get there. They pitch me. They, they close me like a damn door. I was probably the easiest sale they've ever had. I, afterwards, I was like, cool. Where do I sign up? I still I had my $500 for my PayPal that came back. <laughs> and so I was like, bro, I'm ready to go. I don't care. They're like, wait, like, you're, you're going to sign up? Yeah. Where do I do it? So I put my credit card through, signed up like five people in the next three hours. And they were like, who the hell is this kid? <laughs> Made like $1,000 my first day. Um, with that company and you know my mom was like oh the check's not going to come through I still have the screenshots of the money coming through actually it's so funny and so um, I, I got paid and from then on I think at that point once the first check hit from my first network marketing company that was when I really knew I know this is kind of long-winded but that's when I really knew that like I didn't really care what the vehicle was as long as it was something to do with me controlling my own destiny and me writing my own checks, essentially, I wanted to be a part of it. Right. No, that makes sense. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's really funny that a lot of people um, look down on, on network marketing, MLMs, pyramid schemes, like whatever you want to call them. But if you look at the way everything is structured, you know, MLMs, everyone's always going to say, oh, you have somebody above you making money off of your efforts. That's, that's life. Yeah. Like that's, that's it. Everything you do. Um, but- yeah. I, I think it's a very uneducated argument to make, you know? Yeah. Like it, when I worked for McDonald's, the difference in me working for McDonald's and me working for a network marketing company. Um, Cause I mean, it's true. Like you do work for a network marketing company. It's not yours. You don't have, you don't have equity in the company. You do have people above you for sure. Um, but you know, at McDonald's, I could never out earn my manager. You know, Rodman, I love him to freaking death, but I made way more money in our first company than he did, and he's the one who brought me on. So yeah. I, I, it, the difference is that you don't have a guaranteed paycheck, but that's the difference between entrepreneurship and being an employee in general. Yeah, that's what I've tried to explain to people several times. It's, you know, your boss is never going to let you out earn them. If you're making more money than your boss, then your boss is doing something wrong. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, that and it's like, in corporate America, or when you work for a job, typically when you want to elevate, there's limited positioning, um, you know, for a spot that you're fighting for. And oftentimes you see a lot actually is, you know, in order to get your way to the top, you got to kind of stab your way into the back on the way up because a lot of your colleagues and people that you're friends with, you're competing for the same job. Mm-hmm. So in business and network marketing in particular, what I like about it is that, and I, I don't, I don't, this isn't really a network marketing podcast, but you know, it's yeah, no, but we, we are a little off subject, but yeah, it's, it's all relevant. It's all good. It, I mean, it jump started my entrepreneurial career. Um, but what I really like about the model and what I love about it to this day, even though I'm not really that active with it, is that you know, in order to get to the top, the only way to do it is to help other people up. Right, and that's that. This, so th- this is coming full circle here, and, and, and here it comes. Um, network marketing is the only business structure or the only they're they're the only people that i've ever been around that have tried to mentor each other yeah show up to work and have have the person above you or the person in the same position as you they're not going to mentor you so that way you can climb up because they want to climb up like you just said but in network marketing everyone is mentoring everyone hey read this book hey watch this inspirational video hey watch this motivational video you know Everyone is trying to build each other up. So everyone is kind of more or less each other's mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you don't find that anywhere else. You find that in MLMs. Um, so that's what I wasn't trying to make it like, you know, a big rant on MLMs and, you know, yeah, of course. Just I mean, I stuff, but, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, it's the only, it, it was relevant to what we were talking about. So, Definitely. but, um, so when you first started out, did you have a mentor or were you just like, you know, Hey, I got my $500 in PayPal money. I don't care what the interest <laughs> is. We're having this event and, um, I, I'm, I'm swinging for the fences. Uh, when did you find your, your first mentor? Yeah, I mean, uh, in that very first company that I lasted like three days in, um, I did have somebody who was a mentor and it was actually somebody who was several layers up, you know, in, in the uh, the upline is the terminology of network marketing. And he saw potential in me and he saw that I was like ready to go, didn't care what it took. I was going to run through a brick wall, wasn't taking no for an answer. And so he wanted to work with me. And yeah, he was like helping me every step of the way. He was very rigid in how he wanted to do things. Like he was like, nope, we're doing it at your house. Don't care. You know, like very rigid for sure. Um, but the point is that he had knowledge that I didn't have. He had a system that he was duplicating that was clearly working that he wanted to teach to me. Um, and then, you know, in my second company, I, I would say my first real mentor um, is a guy I haven't, I haven't talked to him in a long time. I, I would love to um, hear soon, but his name is Dave Ennis. And he is from Virginia, from where we grew up, actually. Office down in uh, in I believe Fort Lauderdale, yeah, in Fort Lauderdale in Florida, and he really opened my eyes up to the bigger picture. Because obviously, me at the time I was 19 years old, coming into network marketing for the first time, and I just fell so in love with like making money so quickly right away. But he showed me the bigger picture of like entrepreneurship in general. Because I mean, dude, he bought a three million dollar house with just Apple stock that he had sold. Like he bought Apple in 19. 19- that tells you anything. So um, he was just overall very, very successful financially um, and very invested into helping people get to the next level, like helping people that were younger, my age, like my high school class, get to the next level. And uh, I, I remember, man, we'd go up into his office, you know, as often as we could, as often as we were welcome there, um, just smoke cigars with him, talk about life, talk about, you know, investing and talk about, Um, just having a long-term vision on everything and not so much about cars and watches and everything. He was like, yeah, man, the people that buy that shit now are just like idiots. Like, you know, I mean, obviously he had really nice things and, you know, a lot of people, you know, they got very wealthy very quickly uh, in our outline that were very young were buying a lot of that stuff. And so he took a lot of them actually in under his wing and mentored them as well. So, you know, I, I would say that he wasn't necessarily the greatest network marketing mentor. Actually, I don't even think he was a good one to be honest, because, Um, you know, he didn't have results with it and that's okay. Like he was an amazing life coach, an amazing mentor on the long-term vision of things. So that's another thing in, in, uh, in, in mentorship is I believe that you need to have a mentor for each area of your life. And we can talk about this some more in a little bit, but Dave, I would say was the real first, um, business mentor that I had. Yeah, I, I agree with that because. And I think that's something that came from my last podcast that I had when um, Jeff was on. We said, you know, more or less, you can't have the same. We, we weren't talking about mentors, but more or less, it was the same mentor for every situation in life. You know, Shout out to you. you're going to have to have, you know, one mentor for business, one mentor for, you know, maybe money management or something like that. Or, you know, one mentor for network marketing, if that's what you're into. Um, but you're going to have you're going to have various mentors depending on, you know, what you want to do, where you want to go in life. Um, yeah. So 
with that being said, you know, what was, what, what is your biggest benefit from having your mentors? Is it basically, you know, for you, is, is it picking up where they left off instead of, you know, if you have somebody that's been in the industry, say my grandfather, when I came in to learn concrete, I did start at the bottom, but my learning curve was a lot faster than his was originally because I'm learning from somebody that had 50 plus years experience that mm-hmm. more or less fast tracked me. So um, would you say that's a big benefit or, you know, what was, what was your biggest benefit to having mentors? Um, rephrase the question one more time. What is your biggest benefit personally in having your mentors? Oh, I mean, shortening the learning curve for sure. Because mm-hmm. think of it this way. If you want to go and learn how to play a sport, basketball, for example, are you going to learn faster? Like, I guess here's what I'm getting at is if you want to learn a sport, you've got to have a coach. Like even Michael Jordan had a coach. Michael Jordan actually had many coaches. Right. And, you know, he had a coach for each area. He had a nutritionist. He had, and maybe you wouldn't call a nutritionist a coach, but essentially it's what they are. Um, He had a coach for his mental game. He had a coach for shooting. He had a coach for dribbling. Um, So I would say, you know, and if you want to get good at a sport, you got to learn it from somebody that has already been there, dribbled the ball and shot the ball and knows the fundamentals to the game. So you shorten the learning curve, you learn the game quicker and you can apply really the terminology of what I'm saying into anything. And, uh, you know, you develop into a better version of yourself in a way that's in alignment with the skill set that you need at what you're doing. Right. So business, you know, my, uh, my network marketing career, um, you know, I would say that if I didn't learn how to do a home event from somebody else, or if I didn't learn how to, um, you know, do a three-way call or any of that stuff, or learn how to do straight line selling, then I'd have a lot of difficulty selling what I'm today. You know, I'd probably, (laughs) I probably wouldn't have built a team of thousands of people around the world. I probably wouldn't I didn't have somebody that showed me how that has already done it. You know, what's, what's funny in this, um, I mean, this, this obviously doesn't pertain to mentors, but I just, it's just came up since we're talking about, you know, sales and everything. Paul Mitchell was a door to door salesman before he mm-hmm. opened up Paul Mitchell, which just yep. blows my mind. I was reading something. It was a couple months ago. I can't remember where I found it at. Um, he makes his kids or he made his kids, do door-to-door sales for their first job. So that way they learned, you know, get used to the rejection. Everybody's not going to say yes. Everybody's not going to buy, Um, which is pretty fun. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, just, he's like basically just threw his kids out there to drown. He's like, Hey, you're going to go knock door to door. And uh, if they say no, it's okay. So. I mean, yeah, door to door is definitely, uh, it's something that teaches you a lot of different things in a lot of different ways very quickly. Um, if you have any sort of fear of picking up the phone or any sort of fear of talking to a new prospect or of asking for a sale, door-to-door is the best way oh, to yeah. get over all that because you're not just forced to do it. You're forced to do it rapid fire. Yeah, it's, like, uh, you're you never know what they're going to throw at you. I, um... yeah, I mean, you're knocking sometimes on 40, 50, 60 doors a day. Probably, you know, actually probably a lot more than that. And, uh, you know, you're put into a situation immediately after being told no to go be told no again. After having a door slammed in your face to going and having a door slammed in your face 
all over again within, you know, sometimes a 30 second period of time. And it, dude, that's, that's, that is sales right there. And, you know, I think that in my personal opinion, sales and marketing are by far the most important component to a business aside from having a good product. Oh yeah, for um, sure. I, um, I knock doors. I knocked doors when I was in high school, you know, we would, I would split firewood by hand and go to the city and go to the city. Yeah. Now, you now, now we're really giving our, our location away here. Everybody's going to know Fauquier County small, but, uh, so, you know, I'd split firewood during the week after school and then I'd load it up on the weekend, go to the city, knock door to door, sell firewood. Um, obviously when you're a younger kid, the, the nose are a lot more gentle, you know, it's all, oh, no, we're not interested or no, thank yeah. you. Um, so when I, when I got a little, I mean, I, I learned, you know, how to deal with rejection and things like that. Again, this was with, all with my grandfather. Um, but I got older, graduated high school and was trying to figure out, you know, like what I wanted to do with my life. Cause I just knew it wasn't concrete. Um, but, uh, you know, I did, I did door to door sales for a roofing company, roofing and siding company. And mm-hmm. I had, you know, a, a mentor, I guess, so to say there, and he would just, you know, he, he wasn't a very good mentor at all, but yeah. it was just the little simple things like, Hey, if you're walking up to somebody's driveway, you don't always have to start off with the pitch. Yeah. You know, you can see a sticker on the back of their, on the back of their car that has a Washington Capitals logo and you can, you know, knock on the door, introduce yourself and you can talk about the caps, how they just lost or how they won or, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, get some commonality on things to go on. Um, so yeah, I think, I think door to door is a, uh, a really good way, you know, really good skill to learn. Listen, if you're listening to this right now and you're in business, you're in sales, you're in marketing, um, or you're even really in a position of where you have to pitch yourself to somebody else, go do door-to-door sales. Even if it's just for 30 days, just do it. Do it for your own business. Go work for a roofing and siding company. Go work for AT&T, Comcast, something like that. Go sell something door-to-door and build up some alligator skin. That's how you get toughness, and that's how you develop negotiating skills when you're at the table with somebody trying to write business. Because you learn how to take no, and you learn how to detach yourself from the negative emotion that you associate with being told no. Because at that point, you have no fear going into a deal. And when you have no fear, you have nothing to lose. When you have nothing to lose, you're in a win-win position, a negotiating position. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, um, so I've taken – that's a good piece of advice for anybody that's listening, by the way. But I've taken – just learning about things, checking out my surroundings. When I go to jobs, unfortunately, I did end up doing concrete. So I think I'm stuck here now. But, um, you know, when, when I walk up to, to meet somebody, obviously, I'm going to somebody's house that wants me there because that's how this business works. I'm not I'm not knocking or cold calling to sell patios to people. You know, it's just not something that gets done in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's finding commonality. And there's a lot of jobs I've gotten just because I'm more pleasant to talk to, just because I can mm-hmm. relate to the customers. And sometimes I'll be 5, 10, 15, 20% higher, but I'm a likable person. They say I'm a likable person. And, yeah. you know, you just, you just, you get a good gut feeling from people when you can connect with them, you know? So you, they trust you more, I guess, is what, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, uh, I don't know if you've gone through the straight line selling program by Jordan Belfort, but that's where I learned sales. And it is so unbelievably good. It is so on point with everything from tonality to inflection to you know, phraseology to building trust, building rapport um, to, you know, offering 
uh, basically presenting an offer that people feel comfortable with to, you know, overcoming objection. It's just so on point. So if you haven't listened to it, I'd really recommend through Straight Line Selling by Jordan Belfort. I was just looking. I don't know if you saw me, but I, I was just looking for The Way of the Wolf, the book. Um, yeah, man. That's a Jordan. That dude is yeah. just unbelievable sales god. I bought that. I think it was right after Wolf of Wall Street came out. Like anybody that can watch that movie and not get pumped up about, about told you life and <laughs> being an entrepreneur, like that movie, that movie. Oh my God. If I watch the movie, I can't go to sleep for like that an hour. Just... His book. You want to know something funny about that movie? That the ending of the movie actually was not the original script. Really? Yeah. The original movie. So back when Leo DiCaprio and I always forget his name, but um, the other guy that uh, Scorsese, Scorsese, Martin Scorsese, I can never pronounce his last name. Oh, Martin Corskazy. Yeah. Corskazy. That's it. Martin Corskazy. So Leo and Martin bought the script from Jordan back in like 2006. I might not get everything right about this story, but it's close enough. Um, and back in 2006, Jordan was like dead broke because he had just got out of jail. He just got divorced with his wife and all that stuff. He got out of jail in like 2002, divorced his wife in 2005 and was just like flat on his face broke. So he wrote his book, he wrote the uh, the script for his movie. And when Leo and Martin bought it from him, he's dead broke. And so they were gonna produce it and film it back in actually 2007, even though it didn't come out until 2011. So what ended up happening was there was a writer's strike. Um, Leo and Martin went on and wrote and, and did uh, Shutter Island together instead. And then a few years go by and, you know, then the financial crisis of, of 08 and just like so many things kept on snowballing into getting in the way. And in the meantime, though, Jordan started doing free seminars and built up his speaking career. So back in 2011, when Leo called him back and said, hey, we're ready to run the script. Leo met him actually at one of his mansions in L.A. and was like, dude, what the your life? And uh, Jordan was like, yeah, man, you know, I, I wrote a book. I, uh, I developed the straight line selling into a program and I've been teaching it to millions of people all over the world. And so they actually changed the entire third act of the movie because it was originally going to end with him just being in jail. And they changed it to him like turning around his life and developing a speaking career. And so that movie became basically a sales script, like a straight line selling pitch to sell his his book and for his uh, his selling or his uh straight line program and then his speaking services. And so in the last decade, he's just freaking blown up all over the internet on, uh, you know, teaching sales. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, man. The more, you know, the more, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I knew, I knew who he was. I knew what he had done and I knew he got the divorce, but the whole part, everything else I didn't know. That's yeah. Jordan, man, he's, uh, he, he's doing a lot of good things. He's definitely turned his life around sober for 20 years he's really focused on uh teaching people good things and uh he's doing a great job so yeah Love definitely him. yeah i think he uh he outlined some of that in his book he basically says you know if after you get done reading this book you know you can go to a bar and pick up any woman you want and do whatever you want but i don't recommend that <laughs> i was just like oh oh okay. yeah we talked about that a lot actually his straight line selling you can use it to literally do anything you want but you've got to use it for a good cause yeah it's, well, it's like it's just right there yeah i mean that's what happened to him and a lot of people judge him for his previous decisions and i get it but it's like at the same time like when you make a decision you can't go back like you can't go back and delete it and pretend it didn't happen it's not about what you did or what happened it's about what you're going to do afterwards yep yeah so if you had 
any advice to anybody that's new to entrepreneurship or you know anybody that's that is an entrepreneur but they're struggling what what would you give them you know as far as like finding mentors reading books whatever you can't just you're not just going to walk up to somebody else that's successful yeah. and say hey you know i'm a struggling entrepreneur or i'm a new entrepreneur i need you to mentor me so how do they go about finding a mentor? Yeah, that's not exactly how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you've got to think a, a mentor that is really capable of leading somebody in the right direction. You've got to think of what they're going to want as a mentee to begin with. Right. The, people always say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, at the same time, when the student is not ready, the teacher will disappear. So if you approach somebody that has the caliber of, knowledge that you need in order to get to the next level, you have to be ready to receive and apply that knowledge. So my first advice is to, you know, get yourself into a mental state of where you're confident about your abilities, maybe not necessarily in the direction that you're going. And that when, you know, you have a mentor, you're going to be of value and of service to them that might involve doing things for free for them. It might mean if you have a marketing company, maybe you do something for free for them. That might mean, I don't know, you follow them around and carry their suitcase. If, if you're a network marketer, for example, I know we keep going back to this, but, you know, and you want the advice from somebody who is a top speaker coming into town for an event, offer to pick them up from the airport, offer to carry their bags for them, offer to carry their bags to their hotel room, offer to pay for their dinner, even if you're dead freaking broke, right? It's just little things like that that show that you're ready, you're willing, and you're capable of getting yourself to the next level because mentors are not going to carry you to the next level. Right. I always say that, you know, they're there for a resource, but not for a reason. In other words, they're there as a resource for you to pull information from, to go and apply for yourself, but they're not there as a reason for whether or not you're going to be successful. Um, and the second piece of advice I'll give you is, you know, it, even if you're not able to find a mentor is something that I actually got from one of my mentors. Whenever you're not having success at something that you're doing, you need to step back and do what's called CSU. That is clarify, simplify, and unclutter. Because a lot of times when you're not having success, you, you tend to create this like overcomplicated story of why things are going wrong and why, you know, you're not getting in the, to the direction or the level that you want to be. But in reality, it's like there's usually a very simple answer. Sometimes it's making a very, very small adjustment and it makes a very, very big difference. Um, I've learned that in golf for sure. Smallest <laughs> adjustments make the biggest difference. It's the same thing in business, same thing in entrepreneurship. So clarify what it is that you want, simplify what you're doing, and under, and just unclutter everything else from your mind. That's really all you need to do. And it's it's simple, man. If, if you want to make a million bucks, for example, and your process right now does not allow you to make a million dollars because it is not efficient, not capable, not big enough of a market, whatever, not good enough of a product, whatever, fix the process. Or change what you're doing if it's something that's not capable of getting you to the next level. It's like, dude, if I want to go to California and drive all the way to California, I'm not going to pick like a 2001 buggy that is like, like, like kind of like farting around every time you, you press the gas pedal. No, man, I'm going to pick a car that's capable of me getting there. So clarify, simplify, unclutter, and get yourself to where you're in a presentable situation that can add value into your mentor's life. And that's how you're not only going to attract a mentor, but you're going to attract a quality mentor. Because I'm telling you, man, quality mentors are not easy to come by. They don't volunteer to mentor people usually. Like you yeah. have to earn time. So if you're not having to earn somebody's time in order for them to mentor you, 
they're probably not somebody you want to learn from anyways because they're not busy enough. Their the value of their time is not high enough, you know, to where they have to, I guess, prioritize their time. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any any advice on how to get find a mentor other than you know I, I joined what I did is you know and this all pertains to my type of business, you know, I had to find network networking groups not for network marketing but networking groups for different builders and things like that in the area, and like I said, I'm just a likable person. I talk to people, so I would get hooked up with people you know that did that did, you know, social media stuff or that did branding did different things like that or you know even other construction companies and i would just form a a relationship with them and we would just talk about things over time so i guess you know i have a bunch of small mentors um but my biggest one would be you know like i said my grandfather so definitely but well that's it for today um i appreciate your time i appreciate you coming on Uh, i think anybody that listens is definitely gonna have a lot of questions answered um from everything that you said, I, I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you having me on, man. I, uh, I I see a lot of good things coming from this podcast in particular. And to anybody that's listening right now, I really think that if you just take that process of clarifying what it is that you want, simplifying what you're doing and uncluttering everything else from your mind, whether it's in business or whether it's in your personal life or whatever, I think that you know, the genius is found in simplicity. It's not usually that complicated. So appreciate you having me on again, man. And I'm looking forward to maybe doing this again sometime. Yeah, man, definitely appreciate it. And that's it for this episode. See you guys next time.